1: and how to leave a mark in this world after breaking through your next achievement. You are moments away from the aha you've been seeking.
2: Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Success to Significance, life after breaking through glass ceilings. I'm your host, Jen DuPlessis. I'm so happy to have you all here today. And I want to just say, if this is your first time, Thank you. Thank you for joining our community. We hope that you enjoy this episode and I promise you will because our guest is absolutely fantastic. And if you've been listening for a while, thank you for that as well. You're going to enjoy this this time that we spend together today, whether you're biking or hiking or driving, whatever it is you're, you're doing. So thank you again for joining us today. So let me introduce you to our wonderful guest, Dan Clark. Is first of all, I want to say he's a colleague and a friend. Right, we'll start it off by that way. Uh, but Dan is the, wait, hold your horses, everybody! The founder and CEO of a multi-million-dollar international communications company, university professor, high-performance business coach, podcast host of Power Players with Dan Clark. He is a gold record songwriter. I can't wait to hear about this. Filmmaker, New York Times best-selling author of. 37 books most of us want that once we did he's got it 37 times he was a or is the primary contributing author to the chicken for the soup soul series and an award-winning athlete who fought his way back from a paralyzing injury that cut short his football career which we're going to explore today dan has been inducted into the professional speakers hall of fame was named one of the top 10 motivational speakers in the world and has spoken to more than 6000 audiences over 6 million people and 73 countries to the most uh, to most of the fortune 500 super bowl champions the united nations and to our military combat troops it, troops in iraq afghanistan europe asia and africa Dan has appeared on over 500 television and radio shows, including Oprah and Glenn Beck. I love Glenn Beck. And has been featured in Success Magazine, Forbes, Entrepreneur, Inc., Sports Illustrated, Millionaire, and the Mayo Clinic Journal, which I'm very curious about. Clark's inspiring life includes soaring to the edge of space in a U-2 spy plane. Why were you in a spy plane (laughs) flying fighter jets with the Air Force Thunderbirds racing automobiles at Nürburgring, you're going to help me figure that one out, that must be Germany, Uh, (laughs) served on the Olympic Committee and carrying the Olympic torch in the Winter Games, receiving the United States Distinguished Service Medal Award, America's highest civilian award presented by the Secretary of, of Air Force, and most importantly, being named Utah Father of the Year. So please welcome he's more than funny, a funny man with a very serious message, Dan Clark. So I know it's painful to listen to those sometimes, right?
1: I'm
0: at my own funeral, but thank you.
2: (laughs) I know. I know. Sometimes when I'm about ready to get on stage, I'm like, why did I give them all this stuff? You know, and just say, Hey, it's Jen. And we'll find out who you are. But, you know, we have been working on getting you on the show for two years now. Uh, And so we're not going to waste any time. You know, one thing I do want to share with everybody is that you have a book and this is, this is so exciting. You have a book called the art of significance, achieving the level beyond success. And it's so, it's such divine intervention that we're speaking on, on a multitudes of, of layers, you know, one being that uh, you've worked with the Olympic committee. I'm from Colorado Springs, Colorado. And so the Olympics, you know, Olympic committee is there. The Air Force Academy is there, right? All of these wonderful things are are there in Colorado. And, um, you know, it's just, it's just great to have you on the show. So let's start off with, um, I want to go back to what happened to you as as um, an athlete? I don't even know if you played football, if you played basketball. I don't even know what you did, but what was your paralyzing injury? And I want to kind of explore how you got past that. So tell us a little bit about that to get started.
0: It's a great question, and thanks for having me. Of course. So uh, I played football, American football, for your international listeners and viewers. I played American football for 13 years total. One day in practice, the dream ended. We had a tackling drill, coach blew the whistle. Two of us ran into each other full speed. The only parts of our bodies that made contact, Lyle's helmet crashed into my helmet in a violent head-on collision. My right shoulder was smashed into the cutting edge of my fiberglass pads and we slammed to the ground. And when Lyle got off of me, my eye drooped, I had loss of speech, I couldn't talk anymore. Wow. My right side was paralyzed and my arm dangled on my side. Um, we could talk about the humorous part, you know. Coach comes from over Clark <laughs> Well, because you
2: love the fun yeah. part of it. Yeah.
0: Exactly. You have to find the humor. He runs <laughs> over Clark Clark. Yeah, all right, what happened? Rock show Chef. He says, Well, are you from Washington, DC? I'm just kidding. You. He said, You better just lay there. I said, ooh. Anyway, <laughs> fast forward, my eye went back to normal. My speech came back. I could talk again. But my right side <clears throat> stayed paralyzed and my arm dangled up my side. I stayed paralyzed for 14 months. Oh my I went God. to 16 of the very best doctors in all of North America, 15 of whom told me I would never get any better. And I love to ask anyone who's interested, have you ever heard that? And what happens if you believe it? We never get any better. Yeah. And my life hit a fast moving downward spiral until I hit what I thought was rock bottom and I hope we can come back and visit that. I thought, Yeah. Um, now that I've recovered the two most frequently asked questions or maybe the three most frequently asked questions are, Clark, why did you go to so many different doctors? And the answer is very, very critical to our conversation, Jen. I kept going from doctor to doctor until I found one who believed I would get better. Yeah. The second most frequently asked question was, Clark, did you get depressed? Most people who have something go wrong in their life or a relationship goes south or a business dealing unravel, we, we flippantly use that word, I'm depressed. Mm-hmm. We have friends, we have family members, we have associates who have been clinically um, prescribed, clinically assessed as being depressed. They have a, a chemical imbalance And they need medication and they need non-judgmental friendship and unconditional love from from us but most people who have something go south in their lives they just flippantly use that that phrase i'm depressed when in reality they're not and so what happened to me is in that in that downward spiral where i had suicidal thoughts i lost my identity yeah what allowed me to get back up and start my recovery start my steps to resiliency was first realizing there's a giant difference between being depressed and being disappointed.
2: Yeah,
0: Huge mm-hmm. difference between being depressed and being discouraged. Mm-hmm. Most people who think they're depressed are suffering from one of five or maybe all five emotionally distorting experiences, hungry, angry, lonely, tired, or sad. And when we're experiencing any one of those five emotionally distorting conditions, we can't feel We can't be present in the moment. We can't listen. We can't love, we can't forgive. And we just kind of categorize it, I'm depressed. No.
2: Right, as a big umbrella.
0: Yeah, I didn't suddenly have a chemical imbalance because I had this head on collision compressing the seven cervical vertebrae in my neck and taking my dream away. Yeah, But what held me back was I thought I was a football player when in reality, that's just what I did. It's not who I am as a man. And when we identify ourselves in terms of what we do instead of who we are, we become a human doing instead of a human being, unacceptable of significance is what we seek. And then the third question, Clark, what took me so long to recover? And the answer is very simple and it's very important to our conversation. I was asking the wrong questions. I was asking the doctors how to get better when I should have been asking myself why. And once we answer why, Figuring out the how-to becomes clear and simple, not easy. We still have to put in the work, do the hard things, but it became clear and simple. And once our why is bigger than our why not? It's amazing how the idea of of turning your success into significance, transforming our lives beyond the level of success becomes our calling. It becomes our life work. It becomes our new motivation because we know there's something beyond who we currently are and what we're currently accomplishing. Yeah, it's interesting.
2: Yeah, it's interesting you say that too, because I think a, a lot of people say that, you know, my mess became my message. And we hear that a lot, but I'm actually of the opinion that my mess, the situation that I was in became my mission. Right. The mess became the mission. And, you know, I love that you said this success to significance because this is the exact thing that I experienced. You know, I had that identity. Now, I I pulled myself out of it was a choice. It wasn't, you know, a dramatic, traumatic situation. I pulled myself out. Um, But, yeah, I was standing there going now, who am I? Because I was my identity. And not realizing, you know, what were the core values that I, that I have, what, what do I want as fulfillment in life? And what gifts do I have that I can give back to people that now becomes my message, you know, and Absolutely. my mission, my and mission out there.
0: Therefore, when I share that story, yeah, I love to point out two other things that clearly my accident became one of the best things that, that has ever happened to me to your point. Now, don't misunderstand me. My accident, my paralysis wasn't one of the best things that happened to me. But who I became as a man and what I learned about love and life and priorities and the sanctity of time as a result of going through the setback clearly makes it one of the best things that ever happened to me. You and I wouldn't be talking today. Exactly. You and I wouldn't have immediately connected with awesome chemistry. Yeah. respect, was to support two years ago had I not been paralyzed and perhaps had you not gone through your wilderness experience. That right. And we showed like, up at the I same really? time.
2: Yeah, showed up at the same time, at the same event, and I just was like, oh,
0: I have to talk to you. <laughs> uh, let me just point out one other thing that I think is so apropos to our conversation. Uh, you know, you know, obviously you either were or could have been a cheerleader, obviously. I was. That. <laughs> yeah. How'd you know? But let's not, let's not confess our sins saying this was a raw, raw experience. Because yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what what the science shows, physiologically and biologically, is that when we only identify a how and a what, we only engage the brain, we only engage the mind. But when we add to that a passionate why and a compelling want, which is a meaningful goal, when we make winning personal, when we make self-mastery permanent, when we connect the head with the heart, physiologically, we know that the blood starts to pump more rapidly, our brains fire, and our muscles engage. And when we only identify a how and a what, no such emotional experience occurs. Yeah. But what we have to do, I, I honor you, Jen, because you're the you have this you're the epitome poster child for one who engages both the left brain and the right brain, <laughs> both the left brain cognitive, psycho, babbling, neurotechnical, educational, scientific stuff the database proof. But you add to that the relational right brain, touchy-feely, laughing, crying, let's get it, let's, let's, let's do what we need to do side. And I think that's why you and I would like to throw myself on your heap, why we become some of those few individuals who take a lot of pride in not just being motivational speakers, not just being inspirational speakers.
2: Inspirational, yeah. But yeah. being
0: transformational speakers mm-hmm. Because when we can actually help people connect the head with the heart, they can leave engaging every part of their body, every part of their brain to get what they want to get out of life and accomplish their goal. So from a, from a scientific perspective, we have the neocortex and the limbic side of the brain. And one is where our decision-making and our language takes place. And the other one is where our feelings and our, our, um, and our, our intuition take place. So you'll notice they reside in two different parts of the brain. That's why it's so difficult sometimes for us to describe in words how we feel. Yes. But when we're aware of it, it doesn't matter if we can put it into words. You know, having a whole conversation just by holding my hand. Right. The significance right. of communicating just through a, a passionate kiss where words are absolutely nowhere to be found but you communicate at such a deep, passionate level, I think people understand what we're talking about.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love everything you said. I love human doing versus human being. I love I love the how and the what, you know, so often, and I know you mentor a lot of people too, and I mentor people, you know, is they just, I want to know how to do it. I, know, I want to know what I need to do and how to do it, right? And we have to back up a little bit. And sometimes it's very... Um, <clears throat> challenging for me at least you know when i'm having my initial conversation with someone and saying you know i know you want the answers but they will come first we got to work on the foundation and so you know helping people to understand and making sure that i'm working with people that that want that part of it and so this is my little formula is mindset plus mechanics equals momentum and i feel that if you have the mechanics that's great but you won't have the momentum if you have the mindset but you don't have the skill set you're not going to create that momentum. And I think a lot of people, you know, just want, oh, we're in the industry, not industry, but in the world of instant gratification, instant gratification. I want instantly be successful, instantly make money, instantly get my questions answered, instantly have all this hard work done. And it's just not that way. It's just not that it. way. We have to, yeah. we have to put in the work and, you know, the great Les Brown, right? Our friend yeah. says, you know, if you'll do what's easy, your life will be hard. But if you do what's hard first, your life's going to
0: be easy. And let me throw out a football analogy. Not every play, not every football play is designed to score a touchdown. Yeah. One play sets up the next play, which sets up the next play. And finally, the running back or the receiver breaks loose for that 30-yard scamper to score the game-winning touchdown. Yeah. And it catches everybody off guard. (laughs) Exactly. And (laughs) momentum is only as good as your next play. Yeah. So we have to put things in sequential order, as you said, and Mm -hmm. stay in the process, focus in on the present right now. I noticed it from afar and up close as I was watching you, you know, Jen, when you walk into a room, people stop and say, who is she, what does she do? It's the it factor in that world of entertainment. She has it, or he has it, and you can't train that or teach it. It's just natural charisma. But that's the greatest compliment I could pay you is that you are always present in the moment. I watched how many distractions were around you but you always made every single person with whom you were speaking, feel like they were the most important person in your life. You were so present in that moment. And we've heard so long from so many people, be present in the moment. If you have trouble being present in the moment, it means your presence sucks. Right. You try to medicate, <laughs> or you try to live in the past, which causes depression,
2: yeah. or
0: you try to live in the future, which causes worry, anxiety, and stress. But if you focus in on right now and understand that this is the play, what are you doing right now in the gym? What are you doing right now? Watching film? What are you doing right now in your relationship? When we can be present in the process right now, it's amazing how we can do whatever is required in that moment to do whatever it takes to just take us to the next step. So I love what you do. I love who you are. Thank you. And, uh, (laughs) the most significant part about you is that you're not just practicing what you preach. You're preaching only what you practice. You really are yeah. the same off stage as you're on stage. Thank
2: you.
1: Love you. And thank
2: you. you for saying I, that I because that is, so you know, it's critical. so important to me. I, you know, one of my core values is integrity and yeah. integrity on stage and off stage. You know, that the person you get on stage is the same person you get off stage. I may have a slightly different voice as we're doing this interview. You know, I have sort of my yeah. podcast voice we all kind of have that right but this is still me i i'm flawed i make mistakes i never edit my shows ever because right. it's just me right this is what you get
0: and because of my throat because of my throat surgery and i'm still working on strengthening this is my 1 900 voice yes uh, <laughs> i still don't need to confess so if anybody watching thinks my voice sounds familiar to you shame on you <laughs> <laughs> i right. trying to get out of a low, breathy, sexy mode. Into that, you know, I know. Of a Tonality.
2: Oh, my God. That's so funny. That is so funny. Okay. So let's, so, you know, I, I know you had this football career. So where did, where did you, I mean, because honestly, I know, I know about Air Force Academy, right? Mm-hmm. And I know about, you know, the Thunderbirds and flying and, and things like that. So where, where did all that start? And tell me a little bit about this U2 spy plane. I mean, like what was, the whole, I mean, you went to the edge of space on it and you came back, was it a ride that way? Was it a a project you were working on? You know, it happened to be a spy plane, but it's not. Um, But how did you get in the Air Force? And so were you playing football? Did you play football at the Air Force Academy and then that moved you into What
0: happened? It's such a great question. But before we go there, I wanted to take a moment and make sure that I illuminated what I talked about in my football injury where oh. I hit a downward spiral and I yes. thought I hit rock bottom. Yes. Yeah. Because it's where you and I connect. So in my family, I have four children, and we've always played a family icebreaker game called remember when. And pre-COVID, we had a what? Remember when.
2: Oh, remember when. Uh-huh. So
0: yeah. pre-COVID, we had our four children into town, and they all invited one of their best friends. And we're sitting around our formal dining room having a feast, And we're playing Remember When, where we go around the table and everybody takes a turn. I remember when I was nine. I remember when I was 16 at the lake house. Gets to my turn. I remember one time coming home from high school with a report card, had four Fs and one D on it. My dad's response, son, looks to me like you're spending too much time on one subject. And my mom thought I cheated. It was a tough family. (laughs) And as we're going around the table, we come to my daughter's best friend and she starts crying. Uh oh! She starts sobbing. I said, are you okay? She says, no. She says, I'm 31 years old. I just got divorced. I just got fired from my job. And my mother was just diagnosed with breast cancer. And through her sobbing tears, she says, I've hit rock bottom. I don't know what you would have said in that flash of inspiration. I said, with all due respect, sweetheart, no one ever hits rock bottom. We hit rock foundation, hmm. hit rock belief. We hit the baseline core values hmm. on which we were raised. And in the corporate se- sector, in the, in the world of work, if our organizations seem to have hit a bump in the road or if they went south during COVID and the pandemic, they did not hit rock bo- at bottom, they hit rock foundation They hit the baseline governing principles on which they were built. So the whole purpose of listening to a wonderful podcast like yours, and hopefully they'll tune into my podcast, Power Players with Dan Clark, is to give yourself an opportunity to recalibrate in the moment. Mm -hmm. and answer is your current belief, strong enough, deep enough, and true enough to equip you and empower you to respond to rapid change. And if not, why not? And if when, why not right now? So, we listen to your podcast. We focus on the present to up level your belief system. And that's a precursor to actually answer your question. Okay.
2: Yeah. I because love my it. I love
0: belief has yeah. always been kind of a coined and massaged and, and recalibrated by a statement that my mentor, Sig Ziglar, taught me way back in the day. So when I was paralyzed, I lost my identity, thought I hit rock bottom, suicidal thoughts, lost everything that was important to me because I got all my attention as being an athlete. And at one moment in time, it's all taken away. Uh, I attended the University of Utah. And the vice president of the University of Utah, he gave me a cassette tape to listen to by a quote motivational speaker by the name of Zig Ziglar, (laughs) and I'd never heard of Zig Ziglar before. I thought, whoa, his mom ran out of names. So out of curiosity, I plugged it in and I listened to it. It changed my whole life. And one of the things he did was teach me the significance of storytelling. One Mm -hmm. story resonated with me, and that's all I needed in a 45-minute speech. But something he said kind of set the tone answer to your question but it set the tone for my mo for the rest of my life Mm -hmm. zig is famous for teaching all of us you can get anything in this life that you want if you're willing to help enough other people get what they want yeah so zig uh came into salt lake city utah to do one of those giant pma rallies yeah i positioned myself backstage He's leaving, and I said, "Zig, I want to take you to dinner. You saved my life." He said, "Phone my office, talk to Lori Major. I'm coming back to Salt Lake City in three weeks to do a seminar." I called Lori. I hounded her. I hounded her. She allowed me to pick Zig up at the airport and take him to the er- to take him to his hotel. That was 1982. Wow. But in 1980, I wander into the coach's office at the University of Utah, still paralyzed, trying to figure it out. Coach knew how down and out I was, and a call came in to go to have someone come and speak to a high school football team. And the coach said, Clark, I want you to go. And I said, No, that's not me. And he said, Trust me, you need this. And I drove the 45 minutes up the canyon, I cried, feeling sorry for myself. 16 doctors, 15 told me I'd never recover. And when I pulled into the parking lot, I'm greeted by the football coach who has multiple sclerosis. He's in a wheelchair golf cart thing. He's dying. Suddenly I stopped feeling sorry for myself. I spoke before seven of their eight football games. They won the state championship. High school principal asked me to come and speak to the student body I did. He called four principals. I spoke to five schools that day, I mean that year. I'm now working in a sports mall in the weight room, paralyzed, coaching other people on how to lift weights, you know, using my mouth and dreaming about how I could take this high school assembly to the next level. The next year I spoke 13 times in the schools. And then I got an invitation to present my high school assembly to the Utah state legislature, the Capitol building spoke, gave my whole 45 minute speech. They voted unanimously to fund my high school assembly and school program to every high school and student and junior high. In the state of Utah for two years in the row, in a row. So by the time I took, I picked Zig Ziglar up at the airport, mm-hmm. I had spoken to 170 schools in those two years. Wow. That intrigued him so much. By the time we got to the hotel, he said there's some place I could see this assembly. I said, Yeah. I had a slideshow, a little movie. I had it all set up in a little ballroom off the foyer. He thought that was amusing. I had that much confidence that I could continue. <laughs> you him. were already ready. I gave him my presentation. He stood up crying, gave me a, a motto on motto, standing ovation. Yeah. I'm crying. The next week, he flies me to Dallas, Texas to speak to his company. Next week, he sponsors me in the National Speakers Association, meets me in Chicago. I'm his protege. He introduced me to all the biggest wigs the Dennis Waitleys, the Tremendous Jones, mm-hmm. you know, the, the Dr. Norman Vince Appeals. Next week, he invites my wife and I, newlyweds, to, uh, to his uh, Born to Win Seminar, our first experience in a seminar, a five-day seminar in Dallas. And there, he introduces me to somebody who introduces me to Nancy Reagan, who invites me into the Reagan White House, So I'm the guy who took Mrs. Reagan's Just Say No program to all 50 states. Oh
2: my gosh, yeah, because you had the
0: assembly. So between 1983 and 1989, I spoke in thousands and thousands of schools, all 50 states to millions of teenagers.
2: Wow. And
0: from that experience, Zig teaching us, we can get anything in this life that you want if you're willing to help enough other people get what they want. I had exposure to all different industries, all different groups and made the transition to the corporate arena in 1991-92. And in the year 2000, I'm invited to speak to the Naval Admirals Leadership Conference in Pensacola, Florida in the uh, Naval Museum. And when I walked in, the F-18s, the Blue Angels are flying or hanging from the ceiling in formation, wingspans 18 inches apart. I was so inspired saying, how cool would that be? I knock on wood, delivered my speech. As soon as I finished, four-star Admiral Clark, three-star Admiral Dwyer came up to me and said, Clark, what can we do for you? I said, I want to fly in an F-18. They said, no problem. Oh, my gosh. Later, I flew into Baltimore, rented a car, drove to Patexen River, Maryland, trained for a whole day, and they gave me a backseat ride. It's called an incentive ride in an F-18 Oh, to, walked to twice the speed of sound, caught seven point one g's, ninety minute sortie. But because I I fly, I'm a pilot. By law, they don't allow me to take off and land the military Right, right, right. Once we're airborne, they give me the stick for thirty out of the ninety minute sortie. And we went to ten thousand, you know, forty one thousand feet. I mean, we we had the whole deal experience when we landed. Oh wow! I I capitalized this entire experience. And about two weeks later, I'm telling the story on a stage in a huge convention. I made it funny. As soon as I landed, a journalist said, Clark, did you pop your cookies? I said, Yeah, I was upside down so long. I think I'm the only human being who ever threw down. (laughs) Instead (laughs) of up. I talk about the exhilarating experience, all the 9Gs, I mean, the 7.1Gs. I'm finished, and of (laughs) course, Colonel, wing commander of the 388th Fighter Wing. He lines it to the stage and he says, do you want to ride in a real jet? (laughs) He said, if you'll speak to my five squadrons at Hill Air Force Base, I'll give you a ride in an F-16. Wow. Bam. So in 2000, uh, in 2001, uh, I got my ride, my first ride in an F-16. And we did the air-to-air combat, chasing another F-16. We chased them. They chased us. Unbelievable experience. And Colonel Johnny Wyda was now transferred to Air University, Montgomery, Alabama, Maxwell Air Force Base, where he became the Commandant of Air University. So from July of 2001 to, to 2013, I spoke to every single class of graduating captains in the United States Air Force. And mm-hmm. there, from there, I spoke three times at Corona, the Air Force Four Star Generals Leadership Conference, spoken every single one of the commanders magic magic com conferences around the world i've been downrange eight times to iraq afghanistan asia africa firing up the troops and over the course of these years i've given over 350 free speeches to the military it's how i serve my country yeah long answer to your question <clears throat> no but it's good
2: uniform. yeah no
0: no i, I No. Service i was self i float all the fighter jets all the oh bombers have taken off and landed yeah. on an aircraft carrier, and I uh-huh. got the chance to sort of the edge of space in you two reconnaissance aircraft. Five hours witnessing the curvature of the earth, gazing in the endless blackness of the universe. Five hours sitting in the sounds of silence. I can talk about what we learned. I just went on for 10 minutes without a breath. I'm so sorry. <laughs> It's okay. it's okay it's, it's, it's okay you just
2: gave us a 10 minute keynote that's okay
0: no, no, no and i, I don't just, mind I,
2: no i don't I, mind
0: this I, is about I, highlighting
2: I, you now I've it's about highlighting these,
0: you. I've had all these extraordinary experiences because of service before self networking at the highest level trying to figure out a way to influence the affluent yeah that was my cut and dried answer I just had to give the backstory. Sorry. Yeah,
2: Sorry. no, it's good. It's good. And um, so I have a question. I have one follow-up question for this mm-hmm. is that when you're talking to, when you were talking to all of the captains that were, you know, graduating and, you know, cause we've talked about the fact that, you know, you ta- kind of talk about whatever I feel like talking about when I get there, but what primarily are you talking about and, and sharing with um, our military leaders to inspire them to be great leaders? Because I know that the topic is about leadership. It's got to be.
0: Exactly. So every military service has their own set of core values. United States Air Force, integrity, service before self, and a commitment to excellence in all you do. So when I show up from a military, I mean, from mm-hmm. a civilian's perspective, mm-hmm. and having flown with the Thunderbirds, did the whole air show, you know, two F-15s, six different F-16s. I've got 9.4 Gs, got twice speed so. I've had all these magnificent experiences. I put my, my twist on the lessons I learned, for example, when I finished the air show uh, at Nellis Air Force Base out of Vegas with the Thunderbirds, and we did every maneuver and we landed, I said to my, my, my pilot, I said, how did we fly this magnificent aircraft? And he said, by feel. I said, what do you mean? He said, you become the plane. I said, what do you mean? He said, when you climbed up that ladder and slid into the cockpit, did you strap into the F-16 or did you strap the F-16 onto you? Mm -hmm. So if you think about taking your sales profession to the highest level, taking your leadership influence to the highest level, doing whatever it takes to become a better version of yourself, better today than you were yesterday, we have to understand that it's never with the left brain, as we talked about earlier. It's never with the left brain cognitive psychobabble and neurotechnical side. When you slide into that cockpit, that cockpit is crammed full of gauges and gadgets, bumper to bumper, yeah. state of the art, high technology. And we're putting so much emphasis on AI, on artificial intelligence. We know that AI can make better decisions and provide the analytics much better and faster than a human being. So the only role left for a leader to engage in is to inspire, to figure out ways to take people to the next level by reminding them about the core values and how they drive our behavior. No one ever hits rock bottom, we hit rock belief. So as I come in as a civilian, I use my stories.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: My experiences, my take on their core values. And I always expand with respect to the Air Force, which is my favorite service. But the army has kind of distilled leadership as an acronym and their core values are loyalty, duty, respect, service right. or self-honor, integrity, and personal courage. So yeah. well, you can actually illustrate each of those. And then I've worked with most of the teams in the National Football League. I've taken last place teams to first place Super Bowl champions in the NFL. So they're always intrigued about my, my formula as I challenge the status quo on how to build a winning team. How do you dismantle yeah. the normal mindset of team building using the military mindset where they send all of these incredible men and women to the Air Force Academy with an appointment, not a scholarship, an appointment. Right. Most of them have three-point nine grade point averages oh they're they've
2: super been, smart <laughs>
0: yeah been, they have their, they have a girlfriend a boyfriend they have a fast car they come from an incredible family they've been raised on core values they are so extraordinary and the second they show up at colorado springs at the air force academy and they're thrown into jack's valley that's their boot camp for 37 days I've so yeah. many times suddenly the air force academy looks each one of these extraordinary human beings right in the eyes. And they say, all that stuff doesn't matter. Yeah. We don't give a rat's walk as to what your grade point average was, what your SAT score was, mm-hmm. how many, hundred, they require a hundred hours of community service. Right,
2: right. which congressman advocated exactly. for they you. Yeah. They, have a flip, they
0: start yeah. right at baseline, yeah. they break them down. Yeah, build them back up. Rest the same. And together we rise. So yeah. in that mindset as a civilian, as a former athlete, as a coach of championship teams, I use the same process. Yeah. Break it down. How many of you agree that it's all about a team? And they all raise their hand. I'm like, wrong answer. It's not all about team. Teams lose Cleveland Browns. Mm-hmm. Teams <laughs> lose New York Yankees. Teams lose my Oakland Raiders. Whoever said it's not whether you win or lose the counts, probably lost. And yet we're going to hear from consultant after consultant, there's no I am team. There's no I sucks either.
1: There's yeah. no
0: last place, there's no I am loser. And if you want to play that spelling bee, there's right, no I right. am team, but there's two eyes in winning. Yeah. First I represents independent individual preparation. Don't let me be the weak link. Second I represents interdependent collaboration and commitment to contribute. So yes, you were right. It is about team. They don't give Super Bowl rings out one at a time, but the teams that win have the greatest number of individual I players on them. So now the message to the military is, yeah. are you the weak link? If not, why not? Are you the best version of yourself? Stop competing and comparing yourself against others. Perfect civilian message for Fortune 100 for family owned businesses. But the military is so caught up in their traditions that I come in and yank their chains, challenge the status quo and they love that because they leave with a different mindset Based yeah. on the exact same process that they've taught the world.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think when they and when they go back out into the civilian world, it's important to have a different perspective. You know, same perspective but slightly different. And I think that that's you know the launch. The platform that launches them into, you know, that beautiful success as they, you know, and I'm not saying when they graduate, they don't go into civilian, but now they are, you know, sort of released from the the school atmosphere and, you know, and all of that. I I think that um, that's super powerful. Okay. So now I'm, thanks for sharing all that, by the way. I love it so um, because I'm visualizing all of it, you know, living in Colorado Springs, the Air Force Academy in the planes, you know, and, and, and all that. And my husband, my husband's, my father-in-law, my husband's father, he's a three bronze star recipient we never knew even received one all from vietnam he was air force and he's buried down in arlington and uh he was the chief financial officer at fort carson for the military for the army after he got out you know the military yeah so i mean very close to our hearts and everything um okay so i want to change gears just a little bit here with you because i want to ask you two things i want to make sure we get through these two things before we finish up our time and that is that I wanna talk about your, you being a primary contributor, contributing author to Chicken Soup for the Soul. So, um, you know, we both know Mark very well, Mark Victor Hansen, um, you know, ironically, my, my most recent book uh, is a fiction book and I got I got this cover uh, from the publisher and he said, uh, he said, uh, I hope you don't mind, but Mark wanted to endorse your book. And we did it on the front cover, it's the only endorsement and I, I said, well, okay. Yes, I can have him. (laughs) But I love Mark and Crystal. I think they're wonderful, wonderful people. I love uh, chatting with them. You know, I I constantly contact them just to say hello. But tell me a little, give us some of the secret behind this, because I also know a couple of other people that contributed to this book. Um, And I just want to know the secret behind the collaboration that happened with the lot of you I'll just say it that way the lot of you because the uniqueness that's come mm-hmm. from there is really really incredible not there's not a single person that i'm aware of who participated in that book who isn't making an impact and creating significance right
0: now that's such a good question so <laughs> so i wrote my first book in 1983 when i was doing the mrs reagan's just uh, just, just a no so my first book was called getting high how to really do it <laughs> And Jimmy Fallon on The Tonight Show threw me under the bus for 58 seconds just roasting that (laughs) book. My my mullet and the whole deal. (laughs) Right, right. And I wrote a book every 18 months, a new book. So my third book was called One Minute Messages. Yeah. And I took 250 of my own stories and edited each story down to 24 lines so each story fit on one page, one minute Mm -hmm. messages. Yeah. And I sold it. 170,000 copies of that book and it was never in a bookstore. I turned it into a gift book. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, back in the day, when I was doing the schools, the executive director of the state student council association would phone my office and say, we wanna bring Dan to our state. And the formula was, book me in three schools a day, 15 a week. I'll fly in on a Sunday night, you give me the, the, the rental car, give me the map.
2: Give me a map back then and I'll be going around. Yeah,
0: yeah. the schools at starting time, the hotel, motel reservations and I'll do it. So I spoke to, you know, I, I did 15 schools a week for 140 school days a year. Oh it's easy for me to sell a lot of books, started to, yeah. you know, recorded a lot of music, wrote a lot of music back in the day. And so, Uh, Let me interrupt. I'm 13 years old. And when you read the acknowledgments in most of my books, I always acknowledge Mrs. Smart. She was my seventh grade English teacher I'm 13. And she encourages me to participate in a speech essay competition. I said, it's not me. She goes, I want you to write a story. I'm like, no, I did. She saw something in me that I didn't see myself. I wrote two stories. They became my most iconic stories. Mm. And we put them on a family greeting card way back in the day because my parents thought they were cool, one cool. (laughs) And then I put it, I published it in my first book, Getting High How to Really Do It. Even though I wrote the story way back in 1967. Mm -hmm. And, and then, uh, so it's in my first book, Getting High How to Really Do It. I put it in one of my shorter story books. And now 1992, I've met Mark Victor. Jack Campbell and I have shared the platform mm-hmm. together so many times because I would do 100 teacher and services a year. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. so did he. Graduated second in his class from Harvard. I had so much respect for him, but we had never shaken hands. He was always on the program the day before me or the day oh, after.
2: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So he knew
0: me. I knew him, but we never met. 1992, Mark Victor calls me from Jack's office. Dan, tell us about this book, One Minute Messages. And I told him I sold a gajillion of them, you know, storybook and everything. He said, Jack's got this, he had a dream, he's got this title, Chicken Soup for the Soul. I was not Jewish, I didn't understand. <laughs> and you know, it was a <laughs> Yeah, because they both are. well, and, he's uh, not. He's
2: and not. Mark isn't, he's Catholic.
0: He said, putting together an anthology. Yeah. Will you contribute? I said, yeah. So I gave them puppies for sale. I gave them the circus,
1: Mm -hmm. and
0: I gave them uh, one about O.J. Simpson, which soon became obsolete because right, right, right. And the book was published. And with all due respect, Jack, he wrote the forward for my book, "The Artist's Significance: Achieving the Level Beyond Success." My last book came out. It's called Story Selling. Mark Victor Hansen wrote the forward for that book. Yeah, I've had him on my podcast. But they never really wrote any of their own stories. Yeah, (laughs) they would speak and tell mine. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I know. I know. And they
0: signed their first uh, television contract with Pax Network. Oh, illuminated five stories on that first episode, and three out of the five were my stories. Oh my gosh! Yeah. So in volume one, "Puppies for Sale" became the and the circus became the two most significant and popular stories. Mm -hmm. That literally launched the entire book, the first book. And in 1997, my story "Puppies for Sale" was made into a film at Paramount Studios, starring Jack lemon musical score written by Elmer Bernstein.
2: Wow! So second not, volume, was it called made "Puppies made for Sale"? Did, was, it called, was it called "Puppies
0: for Sale"? They named yeah, it something puppies else. For sale. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it's won 22 film festivals so far. Mm. First aired at Sundance Film Festival on Backyard. Yeah. and So I I became very involved in the first 12 volumes, Mother Soul, Mercy Shyamoff.
2: Yeah, yeah, all of them, yeah.
0: And Sports Soul and Country Soul, Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. So I was way involved. And the formula was soliciting stories and putting in each volume 101. Mm -hmm. Just because I usually had two to three stories in almost all the volumes. Health Communications out of Deerfield Beach, Florida, who published all the books, they gave me my own two books. One was Soul Food. A collection of 250 of my own stories sold 40,000 copies in the first week, and then it continues on. And then puppies for sale and other inspirational tales.
2: Uh-huh.
0: So, so, I was just tied into them from, right. from day one, and yeah. their story gets better and better. They went to a hundred and you know. Forty publishers, they were all turned down. That's the biggest bunch of crap. There was not that many publishers in existence in 1992. Come right, on, right. it's
2: totally different now. Yeah, they yeah. Got yeah. turned down
0: by 33. <laughs> right. But I'm so honored to just be part of them. I love them. Yeah. Again. And every time I yeah. couldn't follow, couldn't fulfill a, an assignment, Teresa in his office would uh, send me in his spot because they were telling my stories anyway. I might as well. Tell your own story Anyway. That's funny. Well, them. thanks
2: for sharing some insider stuff. You know, some of this stuff is is just good to hear about the insider things. Let's just
0: point out those stories are mostly three and a half pages long, and yet they yes. transform someone's day. They transform their life because of the nugget of wisdom of inspiration. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah, that's in that story. Okay, so that's gonna that's gonna jump us to the last question that I have in our time together, and that is let's talk about stories for those that are listening, you know, and a lot of our listeners, you know, I mean, and, and I know, you know, this, you know, Frank um, Frank Shankwitz has been on this podcast before he left us. Unfortunately, you know, there, there's just been a lot of, um, you know, a lot, a lot, of really wonderful people that have been, have been on um, the show and the people that are listening are people that maybe are significant right now. And they do have that identity of what they do and they want to turn into being, I'm sorry, being um, successful. And now they want to turn into being significant. Some are in the middle of this. That's why I call it life after breaking through glass ceilings, because sometimes we're looking at that ceiling going, I don't know. Others are kind of tapping on it. Others are in the middle and getting cut up as they're going through, you know, and um, so I'm thinking about this, you know, thinking about these stories, um, you're able to pull out so many stories and I'm getting really good at this, but I want your perspective on storytelling because there are so many things that happen in our lives that we just let scooch by it's like a train right It, it just becomes invisible, and it becomes white noise and it's just going by us. But each one of these stories are really, really important. And, and I'm not going to go into the story, but I, I saved a woman's life a couple of years ago. You know, Dave Van Hughes, right? Oh, yeah, Yeah. he was teaching me and training me for a full day. And I was it's a long story, but I ended up saving this woman's life. And um, and I don't ever go by Jenny, like never. Don't ever call me Jenny because I was called Jenny who ain't got a penny. And um, turns out I'm about ready to leave the hotel after I just saved this woman's life. And I I leaned in and I said, what's your name, by the way? And she said, my name's Penny. And I said, my name's Jenny. (laughs) And um, I turned that story into taking action, right? Taking action. I said, there's a story here. Hmm, There's something here because I can't let this go. So do you have a formula or can you give us some perspective on how do you keep your antennas up to ensure that as we go through life, whether we're at the grocery store, in a parking lot, at a doctor, going, you know, walking in the street, playing with our kids or grandkids, that we can pull these baby stories out for ourselves.
0: That's such a great question. Thank you. Yeah, hey, let me go to the foundation. Yeah. So <clears throat> I finished I finish my book tour, you know, uh, The Art of Significance, Achieving the Level Beyond Success. Most frequently asked questions, Clark, What's the difference between success and significance? Do mm-hmm. you have to be successful before you can actually, you know,
2: understand be
0: significance? Yeah. And I wanted to definitely tie that in with our mutual, yes. mutual respect and support. And the, the simple answer, which will be the foundation of the answer to your question is this. I was in a conversation with one of my football teammates. He was drafted in the National Football League in the second round by the Philadelphia Eagles. After two years with the Eagles, he's traded to my Oakland Raiders. Mm-hmm. after four years in the league playing at the highest pro bowl level one day he walks out of practice quits never to play again wow yeah. he loved being a football player but he hated playing football mm-hmm. yeah he loved the celebrity perks and the fame and fortune that allowed him to live this life we call successful which is always based and predicated on competing against others money nice house <laughs> nice car nice title nice toys, nice holiday But because his inner voice and his true purpose in life was misaligned with who he was and what he did, he would never enjoy a life of significance and he would die with his dreams, his goals, and his music still in him.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. People
0: get what they think they want at the moment. Mm -hmm. Those of us who are striving to live lives of significance actually want what we get so we don't die with our music still in us. Yeah. So I lay that foundation, Jen, because if we really want to resonate with someone
1: Mm-hmm. If
0: you really want to say something and be that transformational conversationalist, that transformational speaker that's different than a motivation or inspiration, different than a teacher, mm-hmm. different than an educator, transformational communicator, we have got to get inside of their soul and illuminate, first challenge the status quo, but then illuminate the possibilities. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. speech A. Speech B is when I teach public speaking, and I have for 11 years at the university level, I have my speak like a pro in a course online. I I have my boot camps. I do my storytelling, story selling masterminds. I introduce what I call the speaker's triangle, and it's an inverted triangle because every person, one-on-one, one-on-ten in a boardroom, one-on-20,000 in an arena, every person who's a listener craves the answers to three questions. Number one, why should I listen to you? It's the credibility piece. If you've done it or you're currently doing it. Right. That's why right. I rolled my eyes. I held my breath. I bit my lip while you were reading my introduction. Right. Need to answer. They need to answer. Why should I listen to you? It's the credibility piece. Right. Number right. two, mm-hmm. which really, it, it segues from what I just laid about the foundation of success to significance. It's the question, can I do it too? Mm-hmm. my Yeah. Path, With my weaknesses, with my limitations, and with my strengths, it's the possibility piece. Mm -hmm. So if we're going to teach a story, if we're going to tell a story, if we really want to be a transformational friend, a transformational leader, transformational speaker or author, we've got to be able to go where they are. The only place in which a person can grow is where he or she is. We have to go where they are physically and emotionally and Mm -hmm. intellectually and spiritually only there can we gently invite them to trust us and to grow. So they have to believe Mm -hmm. based on the story that we are qualified to tell, Mm -hmm. that they can also do what we have done, that they can do what we say that they can do. And then the inverted triangle, the visualization is, it's a funnel. Mm
1: -hmm. You
0: answer number one question, credibility. You answer number two question, possibility. Now here's the usability piece. How do I get from where I am to where I wanna be? What's the system, but the system is the believable story where you invite people, you craft the story in a way where you invite them into the story so they become a character in the story and believe I can do it too. So that's speech B. Speech C is if you ask a random person sitting on a plane or a stranger anywhere, or a dear, dear friend or a family member, if you had three goals for 2022, what would they be? They would always be a relationship goal, financial goal and a health goal right Wow. three areas where you can put your antennas up as you said to look for experiences to evaluate your own credibility in those three areas what have you learned through major weight loss and sustainable weight loss through financial loss through a devastating divorce that allowed you to come back up or recovering from a, from a per- paralysis. I also had throat surgery when I was eight, whatever the case may be. Use those three as your starting point. What are you an expert in? What do you know about relationships, finance, and health? Those will give you three focused areas. Now, this is critically important. When I soared to the edge of space in the YouTube reconnaissance plane, five hours, looking at the curvature of the earth, gazing in the endless blackness of the universe, pondering eternity in my place in it. What we have to realize is that there's no value in telling that story. It's just entertainment. Yeah. Unless I share what I learned. Mm -hmm. So when I landed, what occurred to me is that everything we can take with us when we die, I had a board with me on that aircraft. Yeah. Education. Give me a moment. We don't learn to know, we learn to do. Mm-hmm. knowledge is power but knowledge has no heart right oh and some humor all the information in the world is going to make a person successful it's like the guy who has three phds one in philosophy one in psychology one in sociology he doesn't have a job but at least he can explain why right. <laughs> what's right. my point reason leads to conclusions but it is emotion that leads to action yeah second thing we can take with us when we die is our character mm-hmm. adversity introduces us to ourselves no one will ever know how strong we are until being strong is our only choice. I recovered from my paralysis. I recovered from COVID, almost died in the hospital. I've recovered from throat cancer. Whatever the case may be, the third thing we can take with us when we die is our conviction. How deeply do you believe what you believe? And if you don't know what you believe, figure it out.
2: Yeah.
0: You find stories and experiences from your life that helped you quantify your deepest convictions. And then number four, did my life matter? When we die, we don't lose our memory. Did I make a living or did I make a difference? Jim said, formal education will make you a living. Self-education will make you a a fortune. So now to add on to everything we've talked about, if those are the four things that we can take with us when we die, my friends, why not isolate? What do you know about education? Yeah, yeah, a lifelong learner. What do you know about character? What are your personal experiences? What do you have as far as the depth of your conviction? And are you currently engaged in service before self with a bucket list? I could fly an F-16 in an air show if I just serve the military enough times for them to say, Clark, I know what your speaker's fee is. What (laughs) can we do for you? Yeah. If, If you did everything I just laid out on the table, those are the sources of information that will trigger memories. And the last thing I would challenge everybody to do, if you don't have any personal experiences or eyewitness accounts in any of those aspects of life that I shared, get some, create yeah. some. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Come get off your, bit. get off your tushy you and go do
0: things. Yeah. Go do things. Make like a list of people you want to interview. Yeah. just want to go. What do you want to do?
2: And I think that one of the things that, you know, as you were going through these four different, you know, not, not the four education character, but you actually laid out ABCD, you know, four different ways that you could find, you know, um, stories, you know, in transformation versus, uh, you know, um, inspiration and then, you know, in your upside down triangle and then, um, you know, the three areas of relationships, health and finance, and then what you can leave with you as I'm thinking about this story I just told you about about Jenny, I mean, not Jenny, who got a penny, but um, Jenny saving penny, <laughs> Jenny saving penny. You know, there's also a thread uh, between all of these options that you're talking about. Because when I look at this, I'm, th- I'm saying, you know, um, you know it, because it doesn't have anything to do with relationships, health or financial goals, you know, in me saving someone's life who happens to be in a hotel room and, and that kind of thing. But, but it does say something about character. Right, like your character in deciding to help serve others, which is the second one, you know, one of the one of the things that you said, and it also says the possibility, you know, of how you can put these types of things into play and how you can transform that into applying it to business because that's what I did. I said, you know, so many people are in that room and they're hearing that ruckus going on and they are hearing things around them. And that's what I was hearing. You know, I was like, what's going on out there? Are there kids playing? Ah, whatever. And I'm listening and listening. I'm not taking action, but I'm just pondering and I'm thinking. And I'm going, wait a minute, something's not right. And I took the action. And I think that happens in business, you know, where we're sitting and we're pondering, but really nothing will happen until we take that action. And then how you show up, that's your character. Right. That How story. you show up. Yeah. So, so I love that you can thread this through all of them. So if I was coaching you,
0: and by the way, all that, all, all the stuff we've been talking about are in my books. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But If I was coaching you in, as a storyteller, which I would love to do, just the brief knowledge that you've given me, the brief information about the story, I would add to that what we've learned from the military and and the military mindset. So I'm hanging around with the special operators, the Navy SEALs, the Air Force Air Combat Commanders, after hours, after the shows downrange in Iraq, Afghanistan, wherever. And they start sharing these stories that are ordinary miracles. But to us, we're fascinated. They're (laughs) real life life heroes. Right, right. Why do they run towards the sound of the guns? Why do our brave first responders, firefighters, firefighters run in towards danger, run into the burning building? Yeah. Well, everybody else is running away. It's because yeah. of their mindset. So let's go back. What I would do is you would share this story, but then you go back and you ask, "Why did you have the confidence to go out of your hotel room and thoroughly investigate the noise? Yes, with confidence to take action as you said. It's because of the military yeah. mindset. Right, Under right. pressure, you don't rise to the occasion. You fall to your level of training." Which means pressure is not something that's naturally there. It's created when you question your own ability. And when you know what you've been trained to do, there's never any question. That's why we train. Right. Practice so hard.
2: Well, that's why and mindset work point. every
0: day is
2: so important,
0: right? Exactly. Because and, we can tie that habits. Into, and we can tie that into the law of attraction. We don't attract yeah. who we want. We attract who yeah. we are. Yeah. And it's not manifesting into some mysterious universe and having some answer to prayer come back our way no what happens is when we become so clear on what 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 we want we immediately notice the people that are already in our path that can help us make our dream come true and manifest this destiny yeah so to your point somewhere in your past you became prepared in 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 medical response somewhere Mm -hmm. in your past you became prepared in your service before self
1: mm-hmm. somewhere
0: in your past. You realized that Jen is your professional connection. Mm-hmm. Jenny in any specific given moment is where you validate that the only place from which a person can grow is where he or she is. You're prepared with enough character mm-hmm. and conviction that you can change that mode without living small. And go right to where that Jenny was and lift her up. Yeah. Which means now you do that as a speaker on stage. Right. You do that in the hallway after your speech. You do it in the foyer of a hotel, one on one, present in the moment, as I complimented you. So I want to illuminate to everyone's watching you didn't just suddenly put on your cape and go (laughs) run out of the room. (laughs) Right. You had an opportunity to showcase your true colors of who you have become up to that moment in time. Yeah. And we must prepare ourselves on a daily basis so that when the opportunities present themselves to change someone's life, to save someone's life, to keep them from killing themselves, to save a marriage, to infuse somebody who's an entrepreneur, they just need to hang on one more day, one more paycheck. We're prepared to do that in the moment, not on the fly. Right but because of who we have been, who we've been diligently trying and striving to become yeah. every single day. Yeah. That's the ultimate compliment to you. And that embellishes your story to another three or four minutes. Yeah. Of, Can I do it too? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I've seen people choking before and I didn't know what to do.
2: Yeah. They all stood around and looked, well, I didn't know what to do either. I went over and Heimlichter and I've never done Heimlich. I'm like, okay. okay, I did Girl Scouts. <laughs> I did CPR once, but I was so long ago, right? And it was just funny. And then I got back in my room and I cried. I called my husband and I said, I think don't I just you saved someone's life. You oh did. My God. See, It was in, and, and then I had a note in my room when I came back, she said, thank you for saving my life. And I still have the card, <laughs> right?
0: Uh, that's it? And that's yeah. Right. I buy and and I
2: go, and this is what it feels like. Wow. This is what they feel like every day when they do this, you know. Well, listen, Dan, it has been a pleasure having you on the show. I want to ask you just one quick last question, which is, what would you like to leave for our audience today?
0: The goal of every relationship, personal and professional, is to have everyone leave us saying, I like me best when I'm with you. I want to see you again. Mm. Most of us have heard about a mission statement and a vision statement. Um, and even Steve Covey challenged all of us to write a personal mission statement, a personal vision statement. But I want to leave everyone with the challenge to write a purpose statement. Mm-hmm. Disney, their purpose statement is, "We create happiness in others." Yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter if you're a street sweeper and cleaning the grounds of one of the amusement parks. It doesn't matter if you're suiting up in one of the Disney characters to put a smile on everyone's face. It doesn't matter. If you're a corporate executive conducting a meeting in your boardroom, your purpose statement is to create happiness in others, and in that statement, we must be less judgmental because we don't know the story that someone brings to our conversation. Right. And let me illuminate it with 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 two quick stories. Stephen Covey's riding the commuter train from Manhattan up to Connecticut. One of my six offices used to be in Stanford, Connecticut. I've been on that commuter work train so many times. Most people are on that train because they live in Connecticut in the burbs and they work in Manhattan. So the second they board that plane, out come the computers, out come the pads, and they're working. Right. Feverishly working so that when they get home off the train, they can be full-time dad, full-time mom, full-time spouse, significant other. On the first stop okay. on that train, Steve Covey yeah. says this young father gets on the train with two young kids, a little boy and a little girl. Doors close, and immediately the little kids start running all around, out of control. And the guy's just sitting there, kind of in a daze, because Covey's Covey. He finally decide, decides it's his responsibility. He interrupts this father. Excuse me, sir. Can't you see we're all trying to work before we get home? Your children are out of control. Okay. The guy, startled out of his daze. With the tear babbling down his cheek, he says to the car, the passengers, I'm so sorry. I'm just returning home from my wife's funeral. I've got this two little kids and I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, I've heard this story. This
2: story is in one of his books. I've, I've heard this.
0: And I have in shop dear friends with him Yeah, of
2: yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. So the final story, one of my iconic stories, which I think is the message, you can, you can't pretend, you can pretend to care, but you can't pretend to be there. So if you're serious about having everybody leave you, everybody leave a podcast saying, I like me best when I'm with you, I wanna see you again. We must give unconditional support. Here's the story to remember. A mother encourages her daughter to come home. As soon as school is, is over, the time comes, the time goes, 30 minutes late, her daughter walks in through the front door of her home and her mother scolds to, where have you been, I've been worried sick. She says, oh mommy. I walked my friend Sally home. She dropped her doll on the sidewalk and broke all the pieces. It was awful. Her mother said, So you're late because you stayed to you help your friend pick up the pieces of the doll and put it back together again? She said, Oh no, mommy, I didn't know how to fix the doll. I just stayed to help her cry. Oh. I love you, Jen. I honor you. I admire <laughs> you. And I thank you for having you having me on your podcast. And I would hope that everyone will join me on my podcast, Power Players with Dan Clark, because you will soon
2: be my guest. Oh, I can't wait, I can't wait. Well, it's been, you know, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's been a delight. I'm so honored that, that I had this opportunity and we will have all the links to all of your sites for those who want to get you engaged as a leader, as a coach, as a mentor, be on your mastermind, be on your show and, you know, all, all of and have you speak, have you speak at their events. Mm-hmm. We'll make sure that that gets out to everyone. And I encourage everyone who's listening, please take action. Right. We've been talking about that. Please take some action and engage somehow, some way with Dan, get into his tribe, get into his world, into his center of influence and watch what happens to your life. You know, it'll, it'll change significantly as we well know. <laughs> so Dan, uh, thank you again. Thank you, my friend. I cannot wait to see you in a couple weeks yes, or a week. I can't yes, wait so. to see you again and uh, appreciate you coming on the show.
0: Thanks for changing the world. You really are one story, one podcast, one person at a time. And we all adore you for that. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Okay.
1: You've been listening to Success to Significance with Jen DuPlessis, the number one podcast for people wanting to give more value and make an impact. Loved this episode? Be sure to subscribe right now